brothers and sisters, welcome to the LDS Fishers of Men podcast. I am your host, Alan. I'm coming at you again in the the garage slash gym after yet another chest workout. <laughs> I tried to, to get to the recording this weekend, but it just it didn't happen. This weekend was a weekend of uh, preparations, last-minute preparations, looking at uh, the pantry that I have and stuff and seeing things that we are lacking in and just while the uh, while the getting is still good, you know, we were able to hit up some uh, uh, some case lot sales and stuff like that and just kind of get a little bit more squared away, a little bit more prepared, you know. And so through doing that, through doing some organizing, uh, through, you know, having some responsibilities on Sunday and stuff, the podcast got pushed back yet again, but family night is done. The workout is done. Good, solid chest workout again. Feeling good. And uh, got some notes here ready to give you my thoughts and hopefully a good a good spiritual message, a good spiritual podcast. And uh, as I always say, like any good podcast, any good spiritual podcast, should have uh, we got some scriptures to go through we got some some quotes uh some some good stuff to go through and it ties into uh what we talked about uh this week uh in family night and stuff so everybody should at least have a solid you know they should have at least heard about this if we're doing come follow me so i guess to start um Things are looking kind of crazy. Things are looking, you know, like uh, the, definitely the wars and rumors of wars. That phrase has definitely been going through my mind a lot recently. And, you know, we see uh, the price of wheat going up by like 60%. You know, it's a lot of, uh, a lot of commotion. A lot of weird stuff going on, you know, obviously Russia and Ukraine and stuff like that. And, you know, my, my, uh, my heart goes out to anybody who's in war, anybody who is going through the, you know, the, the ravages of war right now. Um, yeah, I, I hope that, uh, that these things are resolved peacefully. I hope that everything gets, it's figured out and that we get some peace, you know, but I don't know that that's going to happen in this situation. I don't know that there's going to be a peaceful resolution. Things seem like they are definitely ramping up. You know, and in thinking about, in thinking about these things and looking back and looking at, you know, the, the, the past Ever since World War One, really, you know, you can look and you can see how there's there's always there's just a ramp up. There's so much war, you know. In preparing for this, I wound up looking through a couple different talks, uh, trying to see which ones kind of stuck out to me, which ones I felt like I should add. Um, there was one by Gordon B. Hinckley where it was in the October 2001 conference, which was a month after uh, 9/11 happened, right? And, uh, you know, one of the things he talked about was that, you know, he's like, you know, we've just, 
we've just barely entered into this new uh, this new century, you know, this this new millennium as well. And he's like, you know, the the last one was was so full of war, you know, it was just incredibly full of war. And you know what 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 an incredible way to start off the new millennium is is by war, right? Because at that point the you know Uncle Sam was sharpening the uh the, the eagle talons getting ready to go, you know. And uh funny enough that's what that's what got me to join the military was you know, was the the nine eleven thing happening and wanting to do my part. Um but it's interesting because it seems like like peace is definitely being taken from the earth. You know, we're we're seeing like it, it just seems like this is this is like normal. Like we're so used to it, you know. And things just keep happening, keep things keep ramping up. And you know, hopefully we're we're preparing for these things. Hopefully we've been listening to the brethren. Um today's podcast, I'm I'm gonna go ahead and title Chosen for These Times. Had a really cool experience. Um, me and my wife got to go with my oldest boy um, as he went and got his patriarchal blessing on Sunday. Uh, really special experience. You know, as soon as you go into the patriarch's home, it is it really is like walking into a, the celestial room of a temple. The spirit is very thick there. You can feel it as you come out from the the neighborhood, you know, and you walk into that, into that patriarch's house, into the living room, and it really was a cool experience to see my oldest boy, and nobody saw, but I, as he was getting his blessing, I had tears in my eyes, and, uh, You know, even talking about it kind of gets you a little bit teary-eyed, but it's, it was, um, I was, uh, I was a proud papa. I was very proud. And it makes you recognize how much, you know, and, and, and what really matters in life. And it was cool because before he even gave the blessing to my boy, or maybe it was after, it wasn't during the blessing, it was either before or, I think it was after, we were just chatting for a minute before we left, and uh, and the patriarch looked at my son, and he said, you know, you're a special young man. He said, you, you know, you're, you and your generation, you know, you were chosen for these times. Because the times that, that are happening and that, and that are coming up are times that your parents aren't up for. They're, they're not, they weren't prepared for those times you were. He said, and I wasn't prepared for those times. You were. And that, that phrase really uh, stuck out to me. And, I was, and I, it was funny because I, you know, I, I wound up, everything kind of came together you know, at the last minute with all my preparations and stuff like that. I was going to go into a, one direction, but having all the experiences and everything else, it kind of formed into its own thing. <laughs> So, so we're going with it, you know, but that's the, that's the, um, the title for today is chosen for these times. So if you've done, 
uh, the Come Follow Me, you should have covered Joseph, uh, who was sold into Egypt, right? We're going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to talk about, um, you know, kind of focus on the dream of Pharaoh and Joseph and his unique circumstance and stuff like that. And I think that it's going to give us some good insight into and some good perspective as well into uh, the times that we live in now, you know, and, and thinking about ourselves and why we're here at this time. I'm going to start off here by hitting up the Old Testament student manual. Uh, a treasure trove of stuff. Anytime you can get into the student manuals, absolute gold. We start reading here. The story of Joseph, the son of Jacob, who was called Israel, is a vivid representation of the great truth that all things work together for good to those who loved God. See Romans 8.28. Joseph always seemed to do the right thing. That's pretty important, isn't it? I'm pausing here for a minute, but just that, that simple phrase, Joseph always seemed to do the right thing. But still more importantly, he did it for the right reason, and how very, very significant that is. Joseph was sold by his own brothers as a slave and was purchased by Potiphar, a captain of the guard of Pharaoh. But even as an indentured servant, Joseph turned every experience and all circumstances, no matter how trying, into something good. The ability to turn everything into something good appears to be a godly characteristic. Our heavenly Father always seems to, excuse me, always seems able to do this. Everything, no matter how dire, becomes a victory to the Lord. Joseph, although a slave and wholly undeserving of this fate, nevertheless remained faithful to the Lord and continued to live the commandments and made something very good of his degrading circumstances. People like this cannot be defeated because they will not give up. They have the correct positive attitude and Del Carnegie's expression seems to apply. If you feel you have a lemon, you can either complain about how sour it is, or you can make lemon. You can make a lemonade. It is all up to you. That was taken from uh, "Live Above the Law to Be Free," Enzyme, January nineteen seventy-three. But that is located in the Old Testament student manual. That gives you a lot to think about, doesn't it? You know, as we, I mean, Joseph, he went from, you know, the frying pan to the fire. Absolutely. Going from being a slave, he finally finds some favor in the captain of the guard's sight by being able to run his household, you know, super efficiently and well. And then, due to circumstances absolutely beyond his control and a lustful Potiphar's wife, uh, he winds up having to flee, right? He he says, I'm out. I'm going to run from temptation. And because of that, in order to save face, right, his uh, Potiphar's wife gets angry and blames it all on Joseph. You know, the, the poor guy. <laughs> the poor guy. I mean, think about that. Actually getting thrown in jail. Getting thrown in prison. 
and it's not like it's today's prison. We're talking old, you know, Egypt where they didn't have a whole lot of human rights. You know what I mean? They didn't care so much about that. Uh, continuing on here, this is we're going to start reading in Genesis 41. But before I do, I'm going to give another little uh, preamble from the Old Testament student manual. It gives us a little bit of background and insight into the situation of Joseph uh, at the time before he was about to interpret Pharaoh's dream. Joseph was in prison for two years after he interpreted the dreams of the chief butler and baker. He was sold into slavery when he was about 17, and he was 30 years of age when he became vice-regent to the Pharaoh. Altogether, he served 13 years with Potiphar and in prison. The record does not tell how long he served Potiphar before his imprisonment, but that he worked his way up to be the overseer of the prison implies some period of time before the butler and baker joined him. So it is likely that Joseph was in prison at least three years and possibly much longer. That would be really hard to stay positive, wouldn't it? Okay, let's go ahead and let's jump to Genesis chapter 41. Uh, let's go verses 1 through 8 to get us started here. And it came to pass at the end of two full years that Pharaoh dreamed, and behold, he stood by the river. And behold, there came up out of the river seven well-favored kine and fat-fleshed, and they fed in a meadow. And behold, seven other kind came up after them out of the river, ill-favored and lean-fleshed, and stood by the other kind upon the brink of the river. And the ill-favored and lean-fleshed kind did eat up the seven well-favored and fat kind, so Pharaoh awoke. And he slept and dreamed the second time. And behold, seven ears of corn came up upon one stalk, rank and good, and behold, seven thin ears, and blasted with the east wind, sprung up after them. And the seven thin ears devoured the seven rank and full ears. And Pharaoh awoke, and behold, it was a dream. And it came to pass, in the morning, that his spirit was troubled. And he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt, and all the wise men thereof. And Pharaoh told them his dream, but there was none that could interpret them unto Pharaoh. So let's ask ourselves the question here. Why were the wise men of Egypt unable to interpret the Pharaoh's dream? Well, let's turn to the Old Testament student manual. There's some insight here, and it's pretty dang good insight. Many assume that the dreams of Pharaoh were beyond the scope of Egypt's wise men, and yet, in some ways, it is remarkable that these magicians could not have come up with some kind of logical explanation using their own well-known symbolism. And let me pause here. If any of you are familiar with the work of Hugh Nibley, and you listen to him go through and um, open up a lot of these ancient texts, you know, a lot of these, and it doesn't matter if it's Egyptian or whatever, Assyrian, you know, ancient, Babylonian, whatever. It's obvious that symbolism has been like a connecting tissue and a, con a connecting thread between really every civilization, right? I mean, even, even us, 
right back in the day when they when they put up like the you know the Washington Monument and everything like there's a lot of symbolic stuff there um it's it's really interesting you know and I didn't think about that until I had read that and I thought you know what that is interesting that they didn't even try like they didn't even I mean you know let's be honest when the pharaoh wants an answer on something you might be really uh you might be really tempted to just kind of bullcrap your way through it. You know, you might be tempted to just lie a little bit, give them something, you know, tell them, oh, that means uh, you're you're going to have uh, seven years good luck, actually, you know, as long as you uh, don't eat too much and you'll be, you'll be fine, right? No, that's not the case. They were basically just like, yeah, we got nothing. We have absolutely nothing for you. Uh, continuing on here. Being troubled about this double dream, Pharaoh sent the next morning for all the scribes and wise men of Egypt to have it interpreted. We pause here. Um, if you haven't looked into the symbolism and symbology of the number two, I would encourage you to do that. There's some. I'm not going to get into it here, uh, but there's some really cool stuff that uh, that goes into that. If you go into the ancient. Uh, Jewish texts and stuff like that, and what they believed about numbers, and there's there's some fun stuff there, but I won't. That's that's not the purpose of today's podcast. Moving on, uh, the magicians were men of the priestly caste, who occupied themselves with the sacred arts and sciences of the Egyptians, the hieroglyphic writings, astrology, the interpretation of dreams, the foretelling of events, magic and conjuring, and who were regarded as the possessors of secret arts, and the wise men of the nation, but not one of these could interpret it, although the clue to the interpretation was to be found in the religious symbols of Egypt. For the cow was the symbol of Isis, the goddess of the all-sustaining earth, and in the hieroglyphics it represented the earth, agriculture and food and the Nile, by its overflowing, was the source of the fertility of the land. But however simple the explanation of the fat and lean cows ascending out of the Nile appears to be, it is the fate of the wisdom of this world that where it suffices it is compelled to be silent. That's interesting phrase. It's an interesting phrase, isn't it? That where it suffices it is compelled to be silent. For it belongs to the government of God to close the lips of the eloquent and to take away the understanding of the aged. Boy, that's pretty cool stuff. I I love it when it's just when it opens it up like that for you. You know what I mean? There's there's some cool stuff there, and it's you know it makes you. I mean, how many how many brothers and sisters? How many examples do we have? You know. We can talk about Joseph Smith. We can talk about you know the uh, um, the the man who uh, the learned man who was not able to translate from a sealed book. You know what I mean? We talk about all this stuff. Like even today, they will take a facsimile and talk about how stupid it was that Joseph Smith came up with it, right? And then it's funny because in you know in in the forties, thirties, forties, fifties, and stuff, they would come up with stuff, and then later on, you just wait long enough, it'll get proven true. It'll get proven true. Really interesting stuff. Uh, going back to the book of Enoch as well. You know, it, the original text that they had 
going back to the uh, translations of the Book of Enoch, they differed slightly from the Pearl of Great Price uh, accounts that we have about Enoch. But when they come out with a Slavic version that winds up being a more ancient and more correct version, it actually corroborates a lot of the Pearl of Great Price. Uh, interesting stuff. I, I mean... It's funny because Hugh Nibley always said, you know what, I always, he's like, I always just side with the Book of Mormon and then, you know, it ends up proving me right. <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny. It's funny, but it's true. You know, the, the world in all of its wisdom. And, you know, I, I don't want to harp on this too much, but how much of, of the uh, wisdom of the world have we heard recently? And how, how much have we, as members of the church, taken the wisdom of the world and put that above uh, the mouthpiece of God and prophetic leadership, prophetic counsel, prophetic urgings, right? I'm, I'm not going to lay it on too thick here, but that's something to think about. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and go to the Genesis chapter 41. Let's, let's go to verse 15. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I have dreamed a dream, and there is none that can interpret it. So, obviously, Joseph is here. He's out of jail, and he's, he's uh, getting ready to interpret the dream. Uh, and there is none that can interpret it. And I have heard say of thee that thou canst understand a dream to interpret it. I really like how Joseph answers here. This is really cool. And Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, It is not in me. I'm going to say that one more time. And Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, It is not in me. God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. I imagine all those years of servitude, slavery, and imprisonment uh, made Joseph quite humble, because that is a humble man answer right there. You know what I mean? It's 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 one of those things. It's like, you know, anybody who has the gift of healing, right? You often hear people like that with these gifts. They're like, look, it's it has not to do with me. This is this is a gift from God. This is God. This is not me. Please don't confuse me with with this. You know, the, it's not me. Praise God. Give 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 the glory to, to God. I really, really like and respect that. You know that that might seem like a little throwaway uh, phrase right there, but that really impressed me. I I really liked reading that. Um, verse twenty-five. And Joseph said unto Pharaoh, "The dream of Pharaoh is one." Okay, remember he had two dreams back to back. Joseph said unto Pharaoh, "The dream of Pharaoh is one. God hath showed Pharaoh what he is about to do." The seven good kine are seven years, and the seven good ears are seven years. The dream is one. Okay, repeats it a second time. And the seven thin and ill-favored kine that came up after them are seven years. And the seven empty ears blasted with the east wind shall be seven years of famine. I wouldn't want to hear that. That would alarm me just a bit if I was Pharaoh. This is the thing which I have spoken unto Pharaoh. What God is about to do, he showeth unto Pharaoh. 
Behold, there come seven years of great plenty throughout all the land of Egypt. And there shall arise after them seven years of famine, and all the plenty shall be forgotten in the land of Egypt, and the famine shall consume the land. And the plenty shall not be known in the land by reason of the famine following, for it shall be very grievous. And for that dream was doubled unto Pharaoh twice, it is because the thing is established by God, and God will shortly bring it to pass. Okay, remember what I said, go study, go study the symbolic meaning of the number two, okay? And, and think about uh, in the mouth of two or three witness, witnesses shall every word be established. Okay, that's that's very uh, very significant and very fun also to study that. Let me pause here. You know, we we read these stories, brothers and sisters. It's not just um, Americans that listen to this podcast, right? I have, I have brothers and sisters listening in Mexico, uh, Russia. Um, I believe I had someone listening in, uh, in Chile. You know, it's Australia. It's, it's, it's really cool because we, we as a people, we as members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, you know, we, we have that common perspective. And we, we read these stories, you know, and, and I think in many times we look at these things and we don't apply them like we should, even though Nephi himself says, guys, look, I'm taking these old scriptures that we have that are on these brass plates that make up the Torah, right, for the Jews, uh, that make up the Old Testament for us, for us uh, non-Jewish people, right, us Ephraimites, us Manassehites, right, everybody else, tribe of Israel, you know, we, we have these things, Nephi has these things, and he says, look, I'm taking these, these scriptures from Isaiah and everything else, and I'm going to apply them to myself and, and my people and our situation. Uh, you should probably do that as well, right? I think that's a, that, that's a clue, right? That we should probably be doing the same exact thing. We should take the scriptures and we should apply them to ourselves. I think that I think that we need to take stories like this especially and pay close attention to them. You know, and I I'm not I'm trying not to be dramatic or melodramatic about this and stuff, but um as I said, you know, wheat prices have gone up 60%. Like th there's a lot going on with our food supply that is it's beyond alarming. It's it's very scary. And we have had, you know, a lot of counsel aside from scriptures like this. This is one of many stories about famine, about scarcity, about preparation, right? 
we really do need to, there's so many lessons in this, but we really do need to make sure that we are prepared, because if we are prepared, then we shall not fear, right? Okay, I'm going to hit up the Old Testament student manual again. Actually, no, I'm going to go to this other one. I'm going to go to Teachings of the Presidents of the Church, Joseph Smith, Chapters 21, The Second Coming and the Millennium. One such revelation came on Christmas Day in 1832. The prophet spent part of this day at home, deep in contemplation about the serious problems facing the nations and the world at that time. Appearances of troubles among the nations became more visible this season than they had previously since or been previously been, excuse me, since the church began her journey out of the wilderness. The prophet said, events in the United States were leading towards civil war. Let me let me let me pause here. I'm sorry. That phrase right there where he says um let's see Appearances of troubles among the nations became more visible this season than they had previously ever since the church began her journey out of the wilderness. Okay. When Joe Smith says that, that's actually, that, that's, a, that's a, little, a little nugget there. That's a golden nugget. Okay, that's a Willy Wonka golden ticket right there. That phrase is found in the book of Revelations. That's the only clue I'm going to give you, but it's it's cool. It ties in, okay? That that's an interesting study and that's a fun study if you want to study it. That gives you some uh perspective if you understand what you're looking for there. Events in the United States were leading towards civil war. <laughs> Boy, is that ringing a bell for us today? Is that I mean this is is this yesterday's newspaper? And outbreaks of deadly diseases were widespread throughout the world. While praying earnestly on the subject, the prophet received the revelation now found in section 87 of the Doctrine and Covenants. The Lord revealed to Joseph that before the second coming, war would be poured out upon all the nations and natural calamities would chasten the people. Okay, let's go to, let's go to DNC 87, uh, 6 and 8. With the sword and by bloodshed the inhabitants of the earth shall mourn, and with famine and plague and earthquake, and the thunder of heaven and the fierce and vivid lightning also, shall the inhabitants of the earth be made to feel the wrath and indignation and chastening hand of an almighty God, until the consumption decreed hath made a full end of all nations. Wherefore stand ye in holy places, and be not moved, until the day of the Lord come. For behold, it cometh quickly, saith the Lord. Like I say, that could have been, could have been written yesterday. Um, brothers and sisters, it's it's there's there's a lot of lessons to learn here. Obviously, there is the lesson of preparation, right? As, as we say, if you are prepared, you shall not fear, right? That's, that's another scripture in the Doctrine and Covenants. President Nelson has been quoted as saying that the Lord loves effort. 
right? We look at Joseph Smith in translating the plates, right? And Sidney Rigdon also wanting to translate and then trying to translate, right? He receives leave from the Lord to try, not being able to because of effort, right? The Lord says, what did you, did you think I'd just give it to you? It's like, no, you got to search it out in your mind. It, it takes effort. That effort, brothers and sisters, is never going to be worthy of the Lord, ever. That's not the point. The effort itself isn't what, you know, the, you're never going to get 100% on that test, right? That's the whole point of us having a Savior, of having a Messiah, right? He is the one who makes up that difference. Because we are mortal, because we are weak, we are not able to score 100% on that test. We will never be worthy of admittance into the presence of the Lord through our own merits, through our own efforts, through our own work, right? It just It's just not going to happen. Uh, you know, in the words of King Benjamin, are we not all beggars? We are. We're all beggars. Yet the Lord demands effort in spite of that. You know, he looks at that and he says, look, I know that you're not enough. We can all see that, <laughs> right? It's obvious, <laughs> right? We look at each other and we say, yeah, we're, you know, we're not enough. Yet... The great Jehovah demands effort. And hopefully we have been preparing. Hopefully during these, during these years of plenty, because we have had years of plenty, haven't we? I look back on my life, it is only in the last couple years. You know, the last, really the last two that there has ever been any instances of me not being able to get food off the shelf at the local Walmart or at the local Macy's, at the local whatever store that you go to, Kroger, right? Piggly Wiggly, whatever it is. Things are coming together in such a way that... You know, I, I can't help but wonder if we are entering into some some really interesting times. I'm gonna I'm gonna bring this back here to where we started now. If we are entering these times, and we know we are, whether we're we're at a time, a, a, you know, a junction of, of lean years or not. I, I mean, it's, it's hard to argue with the fact that, we, that we're not. You know what I'm saying? That we're there. We, we are at some really interesting data points in, in history dealing with food, uh, food production, so supply and demand. You know, there's, I mean, let alone gas and all that other stuff, but... 
we, brothers and sisters, have been prepared for the times that we live in. You know, I was prepared and I was sent here to be a father and a husband during this time. You were sent here to be a father, a husband, a brother, a wife, a sister, a mother, right? We were sent here to, to do a mission. We were sent here with a purpose. During this time, specifically, because we got the stuff within us to make it happen, right? And yeah, there's some, we've been handed some lemons late, lately, haven't we? We've been handed some lemons. And during the times where we have been able to go and to get extra food, to get, you know, extra whatever, those things that sustain life and make it possible for us to live and to live, you know, hopefully somewhat comfortably. It's funny, I, you know, got to take a side note here for a, a little comic relief, but I, I I mentioned that again to my kids as we were, you know, putting some stuff away in 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 our our extended pantry. And I was like, hey man, you you guys, you know, you may not uh, you may not be getting donuts and pizza and all that other stuff, but by ding, you're gonna have some spam. You're gonna have some <laughs> some rice. You're gonna have some beans. You guys are gonna be eating healthy, man. <laughs> Healthier than. And what you're eating now, that's for sure. Everybody's going to get lean and mean, right? But, you know, in, in looking, in having the experience with my son and having the patriarch, you know, mention that, that little bit of information and advice to him, you know, saying, hey, man, you were, you were chosen. You were chosen for this time. You know, and he... Talked about missionary work, and he's like, "I wonder how they're going to do it when you go on a mission." You know, it was it was, an, it was fun. It was fun to have the patriarch take a moment and, and talk to my boy like that. But it, you know, it made me think. It really made me think. You know, we we are all here as sons, daughters, parents, grandparents, whatever the case is. Right? We we are here to fulfill a purpose. And that, that purpose is entirely optional. It's up to us, right? We are given these guidelines. As we follow along the iron rod, you know, there is a man standing in place of Lehi at the end of that iron rod. You know, right before we hit the tree of life, there's, there's a man there standing in place for Lehi, and he's, he's given us solid advice right because he can see he, he you know going back to that watchtower analogy that that man there can see things that we cannot see and he's in communication with the great jehovah right he's given us he's given us this 
this advice, these urgings, these commandments, these uh, admonitions, right? Guidelines. Have we been listening? Are you listening? Are we listening? Am I listening, right? Are we prepared or are we fearful? Are we getting ready to freak out right now at what's going on? Because let's be honest, it's, it's scary. It's giving me some butterflies, right? But we were chosen to be here at this time specifically. And I'm here to tell you, brothers and sisters, if we listen to the admonitions of Jesus Christ, as we listen to his mouthpiece speak to us at General Conference, which is coming up, right? I'm excited for that. It's just next month. As we listen to these, these inspired men give us divine counsel, from on high, we have the option to listen or to not listen, right? We have the option, based on our circumstances, especially now, it's very fitting now, because things are getting kind of crazy, but we, we're, we're, we're given some lemons here. What are we going to do with it? You know, th think about that with yourself. Have you been preparing? Are you prepared? What are you going to do with the lemon that was just given you, or that's about to be given you? Are we going to curse God and die, or are we going to stand in holy places and be not moved? Are we going to be like Joseph? You know, when your circumstances go from bad to worse, do we, uh, you know, do, do we give up and become the guy that smuggles in cigarettes for all the other inmates? You know, <laughs> or do we say, okay, you know what? Here, here's the uh, here's the circle of life I'm in right now. I'm going to be the best that I can here. Come what may. And we see how that story ends. And I think that's there for a reason. You know, sometimes bad things happen to good people. And I think about the, the people in Ukraine. I think about the members of the church in Ukraine. My heart goes out to them. I don't know what we're going to go through. I really don't. I think about my boys, you know. I don't want them going off to fight in a war. Let alone one that, you know, is, is like this. That, you know, it's, it's just... There's so much wickedness. There's so much evil and corruption in all of our governments, isn't there? Regardless of what we are called upon to pass through, brothers and sisters, you know, we really are chosen for these times. 
we are chosen to be handed lemonades once or lemons, excuse me, once in a while. And hopefully we do make lemonade out of that. Because if we allow it to sour us and to sour our testimony, which I have seen happen, people that I went to school with who are no longer members of the church who have in some cases asked their names to be taken off the records of the church, right? Or who have just straight up gone into weird and forbidden paths, right? Who are not listening to the voice of the, you know, the, the servants of God. They think that they are listening to Christ and that he doesn't care about prophets and apostles anymore. That whole foundation thing in Second Thessalonians is more of uh, guidelines, right? Rather than scripture. I hope that we are very conscious and mindful as we enter into these situations, as we enter into these times that are even more crazy than they were yesterday. And I have a feeling that they will continue to ramp up and get crazier and crazier. There are some things that still need to happen before Christ will come again, right? And remember, he's going to come three times, three official times. And these are not counting little visits, right? These, these aren't, you know, I hear a lot of people say, well, he came to Joseph, that can't. No, that's different, right? There are three prophesied official visits that he will make, comings, you could say. Okay, Adam on Diamon, city of Zion, temple of Zion, right? And then coming to the rescue of the Jews, splitting the Mount of Olives. There's a lot of stuff that needs to go down, but there's a lot of stuff that has gone down as well. And that stuff could go quickly. And regardless of how quickly, how fast these things happen, I, I just I think that conflict is going to become much more normal and it's just going to happen. It's prophesied too, right? Pestilences, famines, all these things are that they're happening and they're coming. And, you know, for us in our first world areas, right? If you're in a first world country, for us to think that we will escape these things, I think we have a rude awakening coming very shortly. I think our quality of life is going to get shaked and there will be some humbling and we could probably use it. Brothers and sisters, as we go through these times, I would ask that you remember and that you study Study the Word of God. Do so with a pure heart. You know, really become like a little child and be willing to be guided by the mouthpiece. Be willing to be guided by Jesus Christ. Because you 
you are chosen for these times. I am chosen for these times. And how we act now, you know. There's a quote from a very good movie. It's rated R, so don't go watch it. But uh, in the movie Gladiator, you know, one of the things that Maximus Aurelius says as he's talking to his men before a battle is he says, What we do in life echoes in eternity. You know, I, I think that that is, that is absolutely true. What we do here with this short time that we are here, these, you know, 60 to 90, 100 years that we are here on this earth, what we do here echoes in eternity. Are you on the Lord's side? Am I on the Lord's side? What are you doing today? What are you doing to be ready? I'm going to ask that uh, ask my Father in Heaven that, that He will bless you, that He will protect you and keep you wherever you are, whether you be in Russia, Ukraine, Belgium, Mexico. We've got listeners all over the world right now, and I, I really do, I love you guys. And I'm going to ask the Lord to bless you, to keep you safe. And I hope that you're able to get everything that you need to prepare. And that you are able to prepare spiritually as well and be ready. Because you were chosen for these times. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.